Good morning. It is Tuesday morning, the 3rd of July. The sun is rising. In fact, it is up in our neck of the woods. It is rising still on the West Coast. It's been up for a while in Hartford, one of our affiliates, where the heat dome has settled for an extended period of time over there. And everywhere the sun is rising, the tomb is empty. And that is good news for all of us because our Savior has risen. And what that means, that all things are being put under his feet, including death. And so even if we die, yet we live, even if we have hardship in this life, that there is always hope and always future in his beautiful kingdom. And we celebrate that each morning on Faith Radio Mornings. As we talk through the headlines of the day, as we have cultural conversations, we walk through social issues, theological, biblical dialogue, all of these things we hope inform and encourage you as you're walking out your faith as well. This is Dr. Peter Kapser joined in studio and had a great first hour. Logan with some of our guests. Good morning, Logan. Good morning, Peter. I had a great first hour. Yeah, I do have some bad news for you. We've been talking about the coffee maker on site and I really did take a trip uh, towards it over break and I saw this horrible out of order sign and there's just really no uh, hope. As much as the empty tomb brings hope, I don't have a lot of hope for the coffee maker this morning. We as a morning team would like to ask for your prayer uh, in this difficult time. I do believe we'll get through it, but you know, it, that doesn't it doesn't make it easy. Well, <laughs> I don't know that this actually constitutes suffering at this point, but I but I will say <laughs> that um, I am grateful that apparently, at, at least in the studies that I like to read, that I'm going to be living longer. But I've also heard these competing studies that maybe I'm not going to live as long. Logan, where do you fall on this? I fall wherever the most recent scientist says I fall. Uh, I just pick up the most recent study on the stack of studies and say, all right, I guess this one's true now. Well, we're joined uh, in studio by Bill English, who comes in each week and talks about Bible and business. And, and Bill, we are on with uh, Dr. Rosemary Stein. And I'm always curious that one day a study will come out from a respected institution like Harvard. Maybe it's about eggs, you know, and whether we should eat eggs or something. And Harvard will come out one morning and say that you should never, ever eat an egg again. You should never even have them in your house, that even just looking at an egg will raise your cholesterol. And then the next day, Yale comes out and says you should really eat like 14 eggs a day, super healthy in the protein. How do you process all of this quote-unquote scientific data? Well, the way I did when I was younger, which was when they came out saying that you shouldn't eat red M&Ms. Red M&Ms? Don't that you was... remember that study? <laughs> that if you ate red M&Ms, you were going to develop cancer or something like that? Yeah, I'm something... sure the colors in the blue M&Ms were much healthier for us. Well, that's what I did. I went to the blue M&Ms. Yeah. Kind of went, well, you know, I went that direction, and, and I'm still here. I'm 57, and my arteries are only partially clogged, Yeah, and I'm doing quite well. You are a picture of health. It's great to have you in studio this morning. A special guest, your son David, is actually in studio with us, too. So we'll take a break and come back, and we'll talk Bible and business with Bill English. It is eight minutes past the hour here on Faith Radio Mornings, and we're joined in studio by Bill English and his son, David. And Logan, we were just talking M&Ms before the break, and you made a great and actually hopeful point about M&Ms. We want to stay away from the red ones. The blue ones, maybe, but you had a great point about the green ones. See, the green ones constitute getting your greens for the day. You know, the doctor says have a multicolored plate, and so if you just fill your vegetable side with green M&Ms, you're following his instructions perfectly. I love wow. it. I think these days these are kale-colored M&Ms at this point, right? They have a kale. 
vanilla-colored. So you get your super fruit and your antioxidants from the M&Ms, right, Bill? Well, you got your deluxe rationalizer working today, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I can bracket off all critical thinking in these moments just <laughs> oh to get to those God. M&Ms. So, hey, thanks for joining us each hey, week welcome. as you yeah. do on Bible and Business. And one of my favorite parts about your website at BibleandBusiness.com <laughs> is you have these 69 undeniable truths, undeniable truths. about business. And, yeah. and so I'm trying to ask you about a couple of them each week. One that caught my attention for this week was that number 31 says some people are incredible number twos and lousy number ones. And now, you know, we're always telling our kids and we're telling people, do what you want to do, get into leadership. And we really, we think being the number one in an organization is really the most important role. But we're talking about, you know, number twos, threes, and beyond, that this is just as important. And not everybody makes a good number one. Yeah, okay. First of all, on your first comment about telling our kids that they can pretty much do whatever they want right. is a blatant lie. Yeah, it's a big myth. You know, people can't do just whatever they want. God gives us certain talents, gifts, abilities. And as much as I always wanted to play on the PGA Tour, I just simply didn't have the physical capacity to do what those guys do. Great example. I physically cannot do it, right? Yeah. Uh, In terms of uh, being number one as kind of the pinnacle, boy, you really want to make sure that that's what God's calling you to. Because when you're number one in an organization, you have huge stewardship responsibilities Mm. that number twos don't have. What do you see in qualities of a number two that would be just like this This is so important and so needed in that kind of role? Boy, off the top of my head, I'd say number twos have a great ability to implement vision and strategy, but they're not very good at dealing with vision and strategy. The second thing is number twos are probably pretty good at passing the buck in, in a good way. Yeah. Because in any organization, the most difficult decisions, the yuckiest, if I can use a little kid term there, the yuckiest decisions will always bubble to the top. Mm. Okay? Yeah. And so uh, a, a CEO's job, a president's job, starts out bad every morning and just gets worse throughout the day. Yeah. That's kind of how it should be. Number twos are not built for that. But they are good at at, at kind of uh, being the gatekeepers to what actually gets to the number one's desk and what doesn't. Yeah, that's great stuff. So let's do one more here. I love number 42. It says, top performers take ownership of the results and do not try to excuse those or blame someone else for them. Gee, that never happens, right? It happens all the time. Yeah. You know, when I interview salespeople and I'm looking for somebody new in sales, I'll ask them, you know, tell me about a time where you didn't meet a quota or something like that. I'm always looking for did they own the results themselves or did they blame something in their environment? Hmm. If they blame something in their environment, I don't want them. Hmm. I, I want people who own their words, their actions, and the results of their work. If they don't own it, I don't want them on my staff because they uh, people who do blame is the parking brake for opportunity and success. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and and it's not, uh, and this isn't just a a Bible and business principle. This is a this is a spiritual formation. I mean, talk about the importance of even taking responsibility in our lives and our spiritual lives, in and when we make mistakes and repentance, forgiveness. I mean, this is not just a business thing. This is all of life. This is all of life. This is a Christian thing. You know, James says to us, confess your sins to one another, which we hardly ever do actually. Right. Uh, but even if you go to God and and you confess your sins on a regular basis, you're taking ownership. So people who don't Christians who don't spend time regularly before God saying, God, what sin do I need to confess? Here are the sins that I know that I have committed. These are people who tend to not be in this vernacular here on Bible and business, top performers. Okay. Uh, they, they tend not to be people who grow in the Lord. They tend to be people who sit in the pews and kind of coast through their Christian life.
Yeah, when we understand God as a God of grace who is for us and, and yeah. wants to bring us into healing and wholeness, we can begin to confess more freely, right? In terms, if we can do this without fear, there's this hopefulness. We actually can move out of some of the sinful realities of our lives. You know, every time I sit down and I say, God, what sins do I need to confess? I don't like that. Yeah. I, I, I've been doing it for years. I still don't like it. Yeah. I, it's uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. And it should make me uncomfortable because now I'm asking God to shine whatever level of light he wants into my life. That's never fun. It's necessary mm. to living a righteous and holy life. Mm. You mentioned the word opportunity just a couple minutes ago, and you yeah. sent me an interesting article that you wrote. It was actually a few years ago, but one of the most popular things that you've ever written for BibleandBusiness.com about the importance of opportunity in business, being able to recognize opportunity when it hits you, being able to know which opportunities to take and not take. So just talk to us broadly, first of all, about this idea of opportunity in business. And of course, it connects to all of life as well. It does. It, it also connects to ministry. Look, um, this was a, a Sunday school lesson that I taught, I don't know how many years ago, and I took the outline and just threw it up on Bible and business, mainly because that's where I hold some of my out loud thinking. Is it is it Bible and business? This has turned out to be the most popular post on my site, and mm. I don't know why. Interesting. I, why would why would people be so interested in opportunity? This has always been a quandary to me. Uh, but uh, an opportunity. And I forgot your question. So uh, I'm, just just, I'm just generally, speaking, yeah, we're bringing up the idea of opportunity and the importance of recognizing it when it comes to you. Yeah. Well, part of the reason that you want to recognize when God has brought an opportunity into <laughs> your life is because uh, if you're not uh, paying attention then you could miss opportunities to witness. You mm -hmm. could miss opportunities to love on somebody. You could miss opportunities to give or be philanthropic. You could miss opportunities to really further the kingdom if you're kind of walking along with your blinders on a little bit. So understanding what the Bible has to say about opportunity is what this post was about. And there's there's oftentimes some risk, right? When I mean, there's yeah. an opportunity in front of us, we don't yeah. always know how it's going to turn out. So there's this important of taking some risks associated with, with realizing opportunity. No significant ministry. No significant business without significant risk. If mm. you are risk adverse, then God is going to stretch you if he's going to call you to a significant business or a significant ministry. You cannot achieve more than what you think you can achieve without risking. How do you deal with the fear of failure? If the, you know, Because when you take a risk, you may fail, and that yeah, can you paralyze may. you from then taking further risks. How do you deal with just the, the fear of failure in these situations? I don't know. I, I'm pretty good at stuffing. <laughs> just, just sort of jamming it down I and repressing it, it down, is one strategy. It, you know? yeah. Repression is sometimes quite healthy. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a strategy. We'll say that. It is. Uh, seriously, that's, that's what I do. I have a fear, and I just set it aside, and I focus on what i got to do to be successful. To me, me, fear is more motivating than the potential of being successful. Mm. The fear of failure will actually drive me more to work harder than the opportunity to win or be successful. Mm. You know, and by the way, if you watch the NFL lives on the NFL channel, yeah. the, the, those football lives, you'll hear these players time and again talk about how they were so scared of failing that they worked their tails off to succeed. Mm. Well, you brought somebody in studio with you this morning that actually took a risk here recently and was love to hear more about that. So who'd you bring along to introduce us to, to this new guest? Uh, this is my son, whom I love. Yes. And I am so very proud of him. This is David, and he's 20, going on 21, and he's just 
come back from uh, Youth with a Mission at Lakeside, Montana. He's been studying the Bible for nine months, and I'm so very proud of him. Now, David, I will take a short break. I would love to have you join the conversation and tell us a little bit about the opportunity you had to study the Bible. I'm sure it was opportunity, right? It was risk. It was, it was all these things we're talking about. So we'll take a short break here on Faith Radio Mornings and be back in just a minute with more from Bill and David. It is 19 minutes past the hour. The sun is up. The tomb is empty. You're listening to Faith Radio Mornings. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Kapsner, joined in studio and glad to be joined by Bill English, a regular guest to the show, and his son David is with us this morning. And David, before the break, we were talking a bit about opportunity and risk, and it sounds like you had an opportunity over this last year or so to do something pretty exciting. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Um, I attended a, a Bible school in Lakeside, Montana, and uh, is about nine months long, and we learned how to inductively study the Bible. Really? So did you end up uh, reading through the entire biblical text during your time, uh, the nine months away? That's right. Um, they say that we will read through the Bible roughly five times with the amount of reading that we do. Wow, that's an amazing amount uh, of reading. If I can even read a Dr. Seuss book in a week these days, I, I feel pretty good. So with uh, with that... Um, did it feel like a risk to to step into this? This was an unknown experience for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't know if this is what God wanted, but I definitely uh, just kind of chose it myself, and it turned out to be one of the best things that I've ever done in my life because God used it in that way. Mm. Yeah, it's one of the great themes of Scripture. You probably came across it several times that uh, people that take risks and are willing to walk into the unknown, they feel an invitation to do something, but don't always know how it's going to work out, but they just trust that God is going to lead them on the way. Did you did you feel some of that in making these decisions? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what uh, what did you learn from your time in, in studying the Bible? Um, I learned about God's faithfulness first and foremost, um, and uh, yeah, just the context of the Bible. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned just during the break that there you felt like at the end of each book that you read, there was sort of this application you were invited to, and you felt God kind of pressing on you at the end of many different books, from Samuel to Revelation. Tell us about that, what, what you sensed God was pressing on you. Yeah, that's right. Part of our, our method is that um, application is always the final goal. So after uh, all 66 books, uh, for each one, we have uh, a final application that's required. And so what is something practical that you can do right now to change your life? Hmm. Uh, and and during Revelation Week, I, I heard God kind of tell me to step out of my comfort zone and and start to say, hey, you need to go with these younger kids uh, that are um, going to go evangelize uh, in a different school. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. And I actually it was one of the biggest fears in my life was going hmm. to evangelize. And so I for an entire quarter for three months, I put it off and and felt guilty about it. And but the the. Um, I finally, after Samuel week, decided, hey, I'm going to obey this and do something like radical and trust this voice that doesn't always seem like you can you can ignore it. You can choose to ignore this voice. Mm. But uh, I did it and nothing amazing happened. But God started to then say, "Okay, here you obeyed this thing. Now go obey another thing and another thing. Go work at the Salvation Army for a day. Um, Yeah, go do these other things. Give away this very valuable item that you love. Um, and, and so I started to do that. And in return, the, the blessings that I got mm. were just like, I learned that God loves is a father that loves to give good gifts to his children. And if you are responsible with what you have, more will be given to you. 
Mm. Bill, I just got chills listening to the story of, you know, taking these steps into the unknown and that God, you know, it's not always easy to trust that still small voice, right? And and yet we take those steps and God begins to give us even greater horizons within his kingdom. Is this part of what you found in life as well? It is. It, it, if you read a book called The Sensitivity of the Spirit by R.T. Kendall, you'll find that that, the, that that still small voice, you know, Isaiah 40, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way and walk in it. Mm. It's easily ignored. And God, it will just say something quiet. And if you are sensitive and obey it, the blessings will come. Mm. But if, but you can easily ignore it and he just goes away. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't press on us too hard, I don't think. Yeah. And so the, I, I have found that to be true in my life and I struggle with, uh, obeying God, obeying that voice. Uh, I think that's something all of us, uh, deal with at one time or another and probably multiple times throughout our lives. Yeah. And so I, I'm glad that David was learning that, and I'm still learning it at age 57. Yeah, of course, it's funny, right? I mean, we, we end up trusting that voice at times in, in our lives, and it works out just like you said. Maybe we don't get all of the financial or health or relational benefits we want, but we always are, grow more expansive in God's kingdom. And, and yet then we come back to it, and suddenly we don't trust that voice again. And that's that's the rebellion in us. Hmm. That is the sin of rebellion. And Samuel says rebellion is as the sin of divination, right? Yeah. And so rebellion really comes from the pit of hell. It is in us. That's the struggle. That's what Paul talked about in Romans seven. I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. This is the this is the uh, struggle. And David told us this beautiful story just around uh, this call towards evangelism and hearing the voice. And when you sent me this article about opportunity, it was actually one of the questions that I had is that, I mean, the Spirit doesn't only just speak to us on things that are, you know, around the evangelism or the Bible or something that we would consider spiritual. And then we live sort of our secular lives in business. The Spirit is speaking all day long, regardless of our vocation and environment. Oh, yeah. And and as an entrepreneur, when you uh, naturally can see into the future and see something exist in the future that doesn't exist today, and you want to turn it into a business and go after it, one of the hard things is discerning between your natural inclinations and uh, and what the Spirit of God is actually leading you to do. Yeah. And, and so in business, I, what has been your experience with that? Have there been times where there, you've had a risk in front of you and you just thought, I can't do it, it didn't make sense on paper, you did all the math, and yet you just knew you were supposed to walk that direction? I am trying to write an article right now on the difference between being tenaciously faithful to God's call and foolishly stubborn hmm. uh, in your own decisions. And uh, I'm tr- I'm trying to ferret that out. Have I had that? Yeah, I've had it on both sides. I've yeah. been foolishly stubborn sometimes, and I have been tenaciously faithful. Yeah, I love making my pros and cons list, right? You know, and as long <laughs> as I have ten pros and one con, you know, I knew that's the decision. But how often it is? No, t- it, the other way is, is how it's supposed to work. But some oftentimes you're not comparing apples to apples. Hmm. You're comparing apples to watermelons to kangaroos to green evergreen trees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the the, the comparisons are not uh, apparent. Yeah and, yeah. and a lot of times what I what one of the things I ask myself when I'm looking at an opportunity is what do I know? What what do I not know? And what do I not know that I don't know? Yeah. And if you can get to that third question and, and elucidate that, then you might be better off. Those are great questions. And Logan, I know uh, green M&Ms is often what we're comparing to. But I mean, as you listen and, and I love I always love your perspective at 22, just trying to think through. So what does your future look like? I mean, how are you responding to this sort of invitation into the unknown? What does this look like for you? Well, I've never actually been given the opportunity or at least that I've seen the opportunity to take a substantial risk like this. I mean, I've definitely worked for all the places I've been in my life, but they've really an opportunity has a risk. And I've kind of seen a very easy channel to get to where I want to go. It Mm. requires maybe an application or an interview or whatever. But 
there hasn't been this big step of risk. So what I'm trying to do right now in my life is identify risk and try and identify where I think I'm being called because I haven't seen that yet. Maybe it's because I'm just not good at looking for it. Yeah, you what know, would you say, Bill? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah you know, you know what I would say to that, Logan, and, and to everyone else who's listening, is that if you haven't really ever taken a risk for God, then ask him for one. Mm, that's Just asking God, stretch me, take me someplace or take me farther than what I think I can go. Stretch me, put me in an uncomfortable place so that the only thing I can do is depend on you, God. That's all I have. Mm, what a dangerous and beautiful invitation that oh my is. So, Bill, thanks for joining us in studio. This time always goes way too fast. David, I just so appreciate your perspective and the story this morning. Love having you in studio. What are you guys going to do for the fourth? Anything uh, friends, hot dogs, lots of hot dogs. Hot, hot dogs. I don't know how many you're eating. I'll probably eat a half a dozen. How many, you know, Logan, how many are you going to eat? Uh, two dozen. Two yeah. dozen. Well, Dr. Stein last hour suggested we stay away from 72 at a time. She said that was a bad deal. So, uh, thanks. I hope you guys have a great <laughs> holiday fourth. And again, thanks for joining us. We'll take a break, uh, for a break point in the news and come back and we'll be joined again in the second half of our second hour by Adam Carrington. We have to sort out this constitution that we started with yesterday. So stay with us on Faith Radio Mornings.